Merry Christmas. Some of you might be thinking he's a little bit late to the party. And as we look around our sanctuary, we see that we still are celebrating Christmas. The tree is still standing in the back, the candles sitting in the windows, the nativity still up front. There was a reason for this. It wasn't just that we put off doing what we should have done. But this Sunday is considered in the Christian calendar to be the second Sunday of Christmas. Marking the 12 days of Christmas, beginning the evening of December 25th until the morning of January 6th, which is the 12th day, which is when Epiphany is typically celebrated. We typically celebrate Epiphany here on the Sunday directly before that, which would be this Sunday. The term Epiphany means to show or to make known or even to reveal. In many churches, Epiphany is a time to remember the coming of the wise men, bringing gifts to visit the Christ child, who by doing so reveal Jesus to the world as Savior and as King. The wise men or the magi who brought gifts to the child Jesus were really the first Gentiles to acknowledge Jesus as King. And so they were the first to show or to reveal Jesus to the wider world as the incarnate Christ. This act of worship by the wise men was one of the first signs that Jesus came for all people, all nations, all tribes, all races, and that the work of God in the world was not to be limited to an elite view. Epiphany focuses on the mission of the church and sharing the good news by showing Jesus as the Savior of all people. And in today's reading out of the Gospel of John, we hear that Jesus is indeed the Savior of all people. John begins, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And that life was light to all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. Word here comes from the Greek word logos, which could mean word, spirit, story, or mind. And what John is affirming here is that Jesus was present before the beginning. Before he was born in a manger, Jesus was present during creation. Before the visit of the wise men, Jesus was present during creation. Before his death on a cross, Jesus was present during creation. Therefore, every tribe, every race, every nation have Jesus' imprint on them. All things that came into being came into being through Jesus Christ. Through him all things were made. All of creation, therefore, has a divine purpose, although all may not live into that purpose. For generations, the Israelites believed that Galilee, the land beyond the Jordan, was at odds with God's presence in the world, and the Galileans were often dismissed as the people who walked in darkness. And this is what makes Jesus' emergence as the word in that time, in that place, that much more surprising. Jesus reveals God's truth that our God is a missional God. 
God cares deeply about each one of God's creation, longing that all would return into a right relationship with God. And here lies the dilemma. God cares deeply about each one of God's creation, but each one of God's creation does not necessarily care about God, nor one another. And this is the tension that we wrestle with here in the church. Being a welcoming and hospitable people because God desires us to be. But at the same time, we are called to proclaim the truth. God cares deeply about each one of God's creation, as should we as well. And so proclaiming the truth must first and foremost be rooted in care and in concern for the other. For we are called to care the way that God cares about God's creation. John continues, he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. As we look around the world today, some might suggest that our world is in need of another epiphany. For the world may be God's finest work, but in our present context, it seems like big corporations and banks have reduced God's creation to expendable merchandise. This is no more evident than the holiday of Christmas. What if, instead of giving each other cheap stuff that will more than likely wear out before next Christmas, what if we dared to dream big enough to show or reveal God's love and presence to someone who is outside of the community of faith? What if we spent our time going out of our way to share the love of God made known to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord? For there is a world out there in desperate need of a Savior. There are people who need the love and hope of Christ made known in this fellowship. We as followers of Christ have a responsibility. Epiphany focuses on the mission of the church and on sharing the good news with others by showing Jesus as the Savior of all people. Epiphany reminds us of that mission. When was the last time you shared what God was doing in your life with someone else? When was the last time you invited someone else to join you in this fellowship? John continues, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will or of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. See, John is saying, all who receive him, all who believe in the name of Jesus, God will give them power to become children of God. We can become born of God, or as Jesus later says to Nicodemus, we can be born from above. People of every race, every tribe, every nation are given the power to become children of God. This is good news. Some folks in the media today might suggest that only good Americans can become children of God. And that we should arm ourselves in case any threats come our way. Some folks suggest that we need to close our borders, build walls. They suggest that our primary focus should be our security. These folks shout loudly about what we need to do as responsible Americans. 
honestly, I'm a bit less concerned with what I need to do to be a responsible American and more concerned with how I can be a faithful follower of Christ. Every time I draw a line or say build a wall between myself and someone else, Christ is on the other side of the line for all who receive them. He gives them power to become children of God. People of every race, tribe, and nation are given the power to become children of God. Even people that I put on the other side of my life. Is fighting for our security at odds with being the people of God? I don't know. There are no easy answers to complex issues such as these, but we must slow down. We must ponder these things. We must be committed to being faithful followers of Christ first. Our identity must first be rooted in child of God. That's where it starts. For we serve a God who tells the people of Israel, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Our primary identity should be that of a child of God. We should first and foremost be known as Christians. Our vocations, our degrees, our titles, and our labels, the ways that we identify ourselves should pale in comparison to that of having a personal relationship with God. Our hearts ought to rejoice in the things that cause God's heart to rejoice. Our hearts should break into things that break God's own heart. We should seek to faithfully follow Christ in all we say and do. We should find our identity first and foremost as being a child of God. Maybe. As the wise men approached the Christ child and worshipped him, maybe in that sacred moment they found out more about themselves than they found out about Christ. John continues, And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. From the fullness of Christ we have received grace upon grace. And when I read that this week, I found myself wondering exactly what does this mean? Grace upon grace. God's lavish, never-ending, amazing, miraculous grace upon grace. John Wesley talks about several different types of grace. One of the types of grace that Wesley talks about is pervenient grace. This is grace that goes before us. It is grace that extends to us prior to our knowledge or acceptance of the Christian faith. God is at all times reaching out to all of God's creation, longing for us to respond in faithful obedience. Pervenient comes from the root word to prevent. For one, to prevent one from doing something, one must stop that person before they do it. For example, for one, to prevent another from striking someone, 
One must stop that individual before that individual strikes someone else. One could not prevent a fight after the fact. And so it is with God's pervenient grace. God's grace prevents us from being totally depraved in bondage to sin. God's grace comes before our understanding of this faith. It is only God's pervenient grace that enables us to respond to God's gift of salvation through Jesus the Christ. Pervenient grace comes to us because of what Christ has done. God's grace extending out to all of us at all times because of what Christ has done. This is the truth of Christmas. This is the truth of Epiphany. But then Wesley talks about saving grace. This is the grace that saves us from our sins. This is the grace that helps us to be forgiven. This is the grace that justifies us before the Father, regenerates us, making us whole, and adopts us into the family of God. This is the grace that names us as sons and daughters and children of God. Saving grace. From the fullness of God, we have received grace upon grace. Wesley continues, talks about a third type of grace called sanctifying grace. This is the grace that transforms us. This is the grace that does not keep us stuck in the vicious cycles of sin, but frees us to live out our lives in faithful obedience to Christ. This is the grace that makes us new creatures. This is the grace that transforms our very way of being. From the fullness of Christ, we have received grace upon grace. It is Christ's grace that meets us where we are and helps us to find our identity as a child of God. It is Christ's grace that transforms our very way of being. It is Christ's grace that transforms Paul from a murderer to a missionary. Paul understood this grace. And maybe that's why he wrote these words in the third chapter of Ephesians. He says, Of this gospel I have become a servant, according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of this power. Although I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me, to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ, and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. Christ was there from the beginning. Christ gives us access to God through Christ's grace. And that is the story of Epiphany. The wise men came upon the Christ child, and as they worshipped, they received the grace of Christ. And it was made abundantly clear that the message of Jesus wasn't just for an elite few. But it began with Gentiles. That all might see and know that Christ is Savior. That Christ is Lord. That Christ is King. Epiphany makes known to us 
that the coming of the Christ child is the coming of God's grace to all of God's creation. God's grace extending to each one of us in every moment of every day. How do we respond to that grace? Do we receive it? Do we let it change us? Or do we just ignore it? For we are to find our identity in that same grace as a child of God. And in the singing of the songs, in the proclaiming of the word, and in the gathering around the table of Holy Communion, we are to encounter that grace. May it be as real and as authentic and life-changing for us as it was for those wise men who gathered around the Christ child. Amen.